0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Let's get a little insight today in what it's like when you go to a nation where Christians are persecuted for their faith. Because for some of us, we'll think about missionary work and you can go to a peaceful missionary setting where you're not under the same sorts of pressures as you might be if you have to be part of an underground church, part of a church where people are persecuted and at risk of imprisonment or beatings because they have the possession of a Bible or that they're a part of a local church. Well, Pastor Paul Noud is joining us. Pastor Paul Noud works with Voice of the Martyrs. He's recently taken on a position as Church Engagement Manager with Voice of the Martyrs in Australia. And he's been on his first trip into a setting where Christians are severely persecuted for their faith. We're talking about the northern part of Vietnam. Pastor Paul Noud is joining us. Hello, Paul. Welcome along to 2020.
0: Thanks Neil, it's great to be
1: here. Now Paul, it's not that you're a stranger to missionary work because you've worked in a number of contexts around the world including uh, India where you were working there in the streets of Calcutta and caring for people who are in destitute situations, but going into a place where to be a Christian you are under pressure and at risk for your even for your life, uh, what's the difference? How did your uh, your impression form when you went into Vietnam?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Neil. And I certainly have done um, a number of things around the world. And um, I used to run the mail ward in Mother Teresa's Home for the Dying in um, in Calcutta, um, as well as we built an orphanage in South Africa and worked with children with AIDS, um, worked in the Philippines in a number of projects. Me and my wife got carjacked in Papua New Guinea. So for the last probably 15, 20 years, I've done lots and lots of mission-based activities in a number of locations around the world. But as you've said, um, a couple of weeks ago I found myself in in the northern parts of Vietnam. So missions is one thing and it's certainly, you know, it, it is a good thing, absolutely. But working with the persecuted church has just done something, has touched something deep within me, Neil.
1: I imagine that when you arrive at a uh, a family home or at a church meeting and you're in a nation where being a christian is outlawed or where the authorities will come and they'll uh, beat people or imprison them uh, that you must be looked at with uh, some level of you know people must be very suspicious about someone coming in because you could be someone who could be a persecutor uh, how does this sort of suspicion happen and what is the look on the faces of people when they when you turn up and and you might actually be someone who could be there to hurt them
0: sure well, I guess what we do is we work very closely with our in-country contacts. So, so it's not like that. You know, we're going there and, and, and seen as a threat as such. But um, the fact that we're part of uh, that gathering, part of that congregation, does put um, you know us all in an element of risk, but even more so um, for the local people. Just to give you an example, we arrived there on Easter Saturday, I think it was, so we're not going back that far. And Easter Sunday, I was um, I was asked to preach, so um, I was there with my my notes ready to preach. And we got we got a um, we got communication that police have just raided the church, um, so you know we have to stop. We can't go, but we got the all clear. And shortly after, I found myself on a motorbike riding through the streets of um, Saigon. I was out of helmet. <laughs> I didn't even know who was the 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 person driving. Uh, who, was, who was driving the bike? Um, left, right, left, right, down this corridor. Um, you know, a door swings open. I get the gesture to to get in there. I step in. The door's closed, and then I find myself in church. So it's it's not like that. They consider us as a threat to. Um, you know, a possible persecutor but more the fact that um, we've worked closely with our, our country counterparts so they know that we're coming and they know what we're about
1: <laughs> But it's uh, certainly a different idea to church that most of us have here in Australia where you're arriving at church and somebody's on duty and they're smiling and putting out their hand to greet you and handing you a newsletter and you know oftentimes uh, wanting to throw their arms around you with a hug your experience there in Vietnam quickly open the door and get in (laughs) side that's that's a different way to think about going to church isn't it
0: it it is neil and i've always been a big church goer for many many years but like you say it's totally different the aspect of church in a restricted country versus you know the free country we have here in australia it's um yeah it's markedly different in fact um just two sundays ago i was sharing at a church and um, you know, we can sing out loud. We can gather. We can meet. The Bible is openly um, read from. Uh, people are free to come and go as they please. There's not this feeling of, of, you know, are we being watched? Are we in a level of danger doing this? You know, this is a, Ill- you know, a, a church meeting is an illegal meeting in many, many parts of the, the world, and the freedoms that we have in this country is, is just incredible to do that.
1: Paul tell me about the hunger and thirst that people might have for God's word for sitting under the preaching for having fellowship with other believers because I imagine that when things are tight and it's outlawed that you go to church that if you're going to turn up at church you're there for a reason you're there to connect with God Uh, what about this hunger and thirst that people have for God's word and for his presence.
0: Sure. Well well, let me answer that by telling you a story, Neil. Um, you know, I, I met a pastor over there um, you know some time ago that he he organized to have church in a cave. So what he did is he asked the the people to to pack some food, to pack their Bibles, and under the cover of night, um, you know very quietly leave the village and meet in this cave. Now, in that cave, Neil. They spent three days there, three days, day and night, under the word of God. The pastor was, was teaching and preaching his people. You know, they were fellowshipping. They could open the Bible and they could read it under the safety of that cave. I mean, that's their hunger. That's their hunger to, to, to be fed by God. That's the hunger for the pastors to preach to their people and um And and it's such a difference to the the freedoms that we have here today.
1: And the value of possessing a Bible uh, in some parts of the world, and we're focusing in on that sort of northern part of Vietnam, Mm. uh, Bibles are not freely available there. And if someone's got one, it's a real treasure, isn't it?
0: Well, it is. And and in the Western country, Neil, you know, we have that many versions of the Bible. We've got, um, you know, we've got Bibles on our phones. We've got God Channel. We've got... Um, you know, written, print, media Bibles com- on computers. And, and you know what? I really feel that, that what we, we, we don't need any more information in this country. We need revelation. We need revelation that God's Word is, is, is the way to touch, um, the way that we can connect and touch with Him. So, you know, like, I've met people. I've met people who have received the Bible for the first time that have a Bible. That, that that not only do they share a Bible, they actually own a Bible. To own a Bible, it, it's nothing short of a miracle for some people in the 21st century.
1: Paul, take us back to that church service you said you went to. Uh, the door opened and uh, they let you in and the door closed behind you because it was a secret church meeting. That's Describe right. that meeting for us. I mean, were there many people there and what sort of... You know, what sort of uh, way did they conduct church?
0: Sure, sure. Well, um, when I, you know, got sort of pushed off the bike very gently and, and, and motioned to get in there and the door slammed behind me, I, um, I, I looked around and I found myself um, in, the, in the foyer of this probably two or three-storey building. Um, you know, there was a, a lady over there with some children around her and she was sort of just looking at me and the, the whole mood fell to, to silence. But I now understand she was actually doing a kids' church at that time. She motioned me to, to go upstairs, so I, I went upstairs, um, and here I found um, probably 40, 40 believers. Um, you know, they, they were just praying to God. Their the hands were lifted, their eyes were closed, and Neil, I just believe that they were doing business with the Lord.
1: I imagine did you have an opportunity to speak to the people you would have needed to have an interpreter, no doubt, but did you have an opportunity to uh, bring the word of the Lord and uh, and to encourage the believers there
0: I, I did Neil, I did, and yes, we did have an interpreter um, and I had a uh, ha- had a sermon um, they are just so hungry they are just hanging on every word that you say that they are they are just trying to absorb. Um, you know, what what the pastor's saying, what the minister's saying, what God's saying through his word. Um, you know, usually in a church service in, in, in Australia, you know, we've got people coming and going and moving in and out and people, but but they had every eye in the place who's looking at you. They are just desperate, desperate to hear, you know, what God's saying through his word. Um, I imagine it's
1: difficult for a lot of people who are in persecuted situations to even imagine just how free and easy it is to go to church in a nation like Australia uh, when it is very hard for them to do that. And uh, I imagine it's important for them to know that there are people in a nation like Australia who might be supportive of them. Uh, the fact that you're there turning up there and you're representing voice of the martyrs i mean that's a connecting point isn't it it's it's this connection between the free church and the persecuted church and you arrived and and you may actually be more valuable than than what we might think you we think of you going as as a visiting pastor into there but for them you're a connecting point to uh, the church in the free world
0: well well you're right neil you're right but there's, there's just two things i really want to say if i can about that connection Um, You know, I spoke to many, many people, many, many people there, especially in the northern part of Vietnam. And there was always, even though they've suffered, you know, some horrific things, they've endured, um, you know, persecution on a number of layers and levels. There's always two things that that come out of of our talks with these beautiful people. And the first thing is, Neil, that they always have forgiven those who have persecuted them. They've always said that. You know, I've witnessed them praying for those that have persecuted them. Um, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, whenever, when, when everyone I've met, they always say, Paul, can you go back to the church at home and ask them to pray for us? So I feel in some ways I'm, and in my role as church engagement officer, I'm forever trying to get that message across that, that, can we please pray for these people? They've asked us to pray. They're our brothers. They're our sisters. You, you know, these are the people we're going to spend eternity with in heaven. And they're always asking, Paul, can you take the message back? Can you get your churches in Australia to pray for us? So, if I could achieve one thing in my in my time with VOM, it was to try and, you, you know, I guess engage our churches here in this country to pray for their persecuted brothers and sisters.
1: Well, Paul, uh, we'll tick a box today because just wonderful being able to hear you tell the story of your visit to the persecuted church in North Vietnam and uh, for you to be able to share your insights and tell about your own emotional journey there and to bring that to listeners to our conversation today it's just a it's just a blessing for us to hear and for you to be that connecting point is just so so special and so valuable. I'll point people to a website where they might want to connect with Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs doing wonderful work around the world uh, almost 50 years now since the start of Voice of the Martyrs by Pastor Richard Wormbrand, who was imprisoned for 14 years in communist Romania back in the 1940s. Well, the work continues around the world, and it's almost 50 years that Voice of the Martyrs has been operating in Australia. Uh, The Voice of the Martyrs doing a wonderful work and uh, great to connect today uh, with the Church Engagement Manager with Voice of the Martyrs, Pastor Paul Noud. Now, the website is vom.com.au. That stands for Voice of the Martyrs, vom.com.au. Paul, just great getting your insights and thank you so much for sharing the story with us today here on 2020.
0: Thanks, Neil. It's always a pleasure. Thank you.